This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hang.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Seek Reality Radio with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about your reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here is Roberta. There is one reality. That's always been true, of course, but because mainstream science and mainstream Christianity are at this point belief systems and they contradict one another, one is atheism and one is theism, in case you wonder, in in fact, um, and we'll talk a little bit about this uh, later in the show, um, mainstream science is at this point a a belief system which uh, tries to bolster itself with facts, but neither of them is looking at all the evidence for what reality might be, and in the space between science and religion, a tremendous body of evidence has been building for nearly 200 years that tells us what actually is going on. Neither has been willing, uh, neither side has been willing to study at all. Uh, but fortunately, there have been scholars down through the last couple of hundred years who've given their lives to studying what the dead have been telling us. We can begin now to see how mainstream science and mainstream Christianity do fit together in our one reality. They give us information about it. What the evidence tells us when we put it all together without fear, without bias, just trying to understand the truth, what it tells us turns out to be more wonderful than our most optimistic imaginings. Now we know that you are an eternal being. You never begin. You never will end. And knowing that changes everything in your life and everything in the world. Our guest for the second time may be the foremost living scholar on what the dead are telling us about where they are now. Dr. Stafford Betty is a, is a professor of Eastern Religions at California State University in Bakersfield. Welcome, Stafford. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, it's great to be here, and uh, thanks for that, uh, I think, rather uh, inflated uh, <laughs> estimate of me. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. It's always what? nice to be with you, Roberta. One of the things um, that that uh, Stafford and I both know is that this is a tight community of people who all have independently, I mean, I was totally independent, and gradually have sort of found one another and discovered that even though we've spent our lives doing this research independently, we've all come to exactly the same conclusions, yeah. because that's what happens if you look at the truth and everybody is looking at it without bias, the conclusions are the same, and uh, that gives me tremendous respect and reverence and love for the other people who have done this work through their lives. Um, so I'm I'm happy to give you that accolade. There are a couple of others who would share it, um, but you certainly deserve it. Thank you. So what we're going to talk about today, we, we the last time we talked more specifically about um, Dr. Dr. Betty's history and some of the uh, uh, things that he had had learned and had known, and I'd like to kind of go back there so that people who didn't hear the earlier podcast will be able to or live show will be able to uh, catch up. But then uh, he and I are going to have some conversational kind of back and forth about what's going on, what what the truth really is, and why it is that it's so hard for people to find it. Um, but but first, tell us more now about your your career. You're a professor of 
religion in California. Right. That's right. At a public institution. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, I was, I was hired to teach Asian religions um, at California State University in Bakersfield. And that's what I started out doing. And uh, I, I, I found that interesting work. It's nice to know what, uh, what, uh, what the world is saying about the ultimate questions. <clears throat> but really, what, what, uh, what gradually grew up uh, in, 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 inside of me was that, you know, it's nice to, <laughs> to see what they all say, but let's, let's find out what's really going on. Uh, and it wasn't enough to study Hinduism and Buddhism and Christianity and Islam. They had their systems, but there were major differences between uh, the four major religions. Um, I should have thrown Judaism there as well. And it wasn't enough. I wasn't content just to be comfortable being what I had been, what I'd grown up to be, which was to be a Catholic. That was fine. I was comfortable for about 25 years, and then I suddenly realized, hey, you know, if I'd been born in a different, uh, in a different environment, I'd be uh, quite a different uh, person with different religious beliefs. So I wanted to get beyond comfort uh, as a member of a particular religion. I became more interested in the truth, and I thought that the truth probably lay well with, without, with, on the other side, on, the juris, on another jurisdiction. So I started looking at the kind of stuff that you started looking at, and it's great stuff. And that's it where is. the truth resides. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, was, it was much harder, um, and I know you probably had more access to information. For me, uh, uh, the collection of books I had before the mid-'70s was pretty pathetic, even though my interest began in the 60s. Uh, right. But Dr. Moody kind of opened the floodgates of interest in the yeah, afterlife with Life After Life. Mm-hmm. Me too. And, Absolutely crucial book. In 1975, when I think I was in Berkeley, and, and uh, I was there when he was giving a lecture on the book, and I was just electrified by what he had to say, and <clears throat> I had <clears throat> it, it really helped me get beyond the agnosticism that was uh, digging at me, uh, the feeling that I really didn't know what was truly happening. All I, yes. all I was was a scholar of the various religions of the world. But how could I know that those various scriptures really could tell me anything that was ultimately true? I didn't know. But when he came yes. up with what the when he came up with the near death experience, that was that was a that was a tremendous event in my in, in my evolution. They had been happening. Um, in fact, there are reports that go far back beyond modern times. But oh yeah, they, they seem to be something that uh, it, it, the fact that they became common was an artifact of the of the way we were able to revive people and keep people alive through situations that would have otherwise killed them. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, so it was technology that made all that happen. Yes, it, in the sixties and seventies, most doctors were just saying, you know, you're you you hallucinated, or that's just an artifact of the medication, or right. you know, shut up. Right. <laughs> the doctors didn't want to know about this, and along no. comes this young medical student, who Dr. Moody, who uh, starts his practice and hears these stories, and he doesn't say, shut up. He gets right. curious about why they're all telling very similar stories. Right. And the result is a seminal book. If you haven't read Life After Life, whoever is listening to us now, you've got to to read it. Um, yeah. It's not outdated. It's the core, the basis of a lot of modern thinking about near-death experiences. Yeah, of, yeah it's good. Of course, a near-death experience is by definition not death. Right. 
So, so to to look at the near death experience is to uh, sort of stand on the threshold of looking at death, and then you sort of say, "I want to find out more." Obviously, there's something here going on, right. and and so how did that unfold for you? Where did you go from there? Well, I think it went in very much that same way. You know, once I knew, and I was pretty convinced by uh, that book in particular, and then by later books, one by Kenneth Ring. Uh, and and uh, it became clear to me <clears throat> that we really did survive death. And the next question is, well, what do we survive into? Uh, and that became uh, a far more interesting uh, voyage of discovery for me. <clears throat> it's one thing to, to simply survive, but what's the use of surviving if you don't survive into something that's worth surviving into? Right, right. <laughs> and so, good news or bad so, news that you survive? Right. And so I began to <clears throat> gradually become aware that there was this incredible uh, literature coming from uh, from mediums, uh, but I was also aware that there were fraudulent mediums out there, people who really didn't have much skill or who were not careful about what they claimed to uh, to be hearing from their uh, their spirit sources. But so I began to research um, as many of these mediums as possible, I should say, spirits speaking through mediums, to see which ones really stacked up as uh, as trustworthy. And I began to acquire a nose, I think, for the legitimate uh, as opposed to the illegitimate or even the fraudulent. And um, that led me gradually to my book, The Afterlife Unveiled, where I <clears throat> put it all together. And uh, and uh, and I've, I must say that this book is, has been extremely well-received, much more so than I ever dreamed that it would. It oh, convinced me how many people are as interested in, you know, what happens after death as as I was and 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 still am. Yeah, uh, the afterlife unveiled is um, is it, is it verse seven, I believe. Um, yeah, I, I look at I look at seven. If if I could have written, you know, a five hundred word book and uh, a five hundred page book, and we could have right. looked at thirty. But uh, right. so it's not as if these are the only seven worth looking at, but they are seven of the best to look at and so it's a good start um the the thing about the afterlife unveiled is that it's a thin book it, it's easy to read you can read it in a sitting or mo- at most two sittings uh-huh. um and and it's original material uh, it tells you what it doesn't give you so much interpretation of what these people are saying but it mm-hmm. says this is what they said this is what they said some yeah. of them from some uh-huh. of them and i think that makes it especially useful for people who don't want sort of my interpretation or or dr betty's interpretation but want to know what are the dead telling us right in their um, own words and, and and it will it will i hope it will tempt people to look up all the other information there is, yeah, um, yeah. because it's it's astounding. Um, what what happened to me after Doctor Betty and I, I, I mean Doctor Moody and I did meet him um, around I think late seventies or early eighties uh, and get to know him. He's a delightful man in person, but he um, his his focus has been narrow. Although lately it's opened out, he's looked at deathbed visions and and uh, psychomantia and things that. Mm-hmm. I think the the thirty year old Doctor Moody would have said, "Wait a minute, I'm serious here." But um, what st- what that started me on was quite by accident finding people like Stainton Moses, the early twentieth century um, researchers 
who were doing the work that that um, uh, Dr. Betty is doing now had a wealth of information available to them because that was the heyday of deep trance mediums and physical mediums who were able to communicate with the dead in a much more direct way. And there are reasons why it worked then and it doesn't seem to work now uh, that makes sense scientifically. But uh, there's so much of that in dusty bins, in used bookstores, in reprints, um, I, I became drunk on reading it. I mean, I couldn't, because every time you read one of these books or read a summary of, of what some of them have said, it, there'd, there'd be this wonderful thing called a bibliography. And you'd start going down this bibliography, and there'd be more and more and more and more. I spent decades just collecting books and reading this stuff. Mm-hmm. What, yes, and, that's and, right. And, and, and you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of communications, individual dead people communicating that's through right. mediums where there's a researcher in the room. This isn't, you know, there, there may have been relatives there, but the researcher was trying to understand the truth. That mm-hmm. was back in the in the tens, perhaps a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. When people believed that, uh, of course, this is cutting-edge news. Scientists are going to be interested in it. We're going to document for scientists what we're learning and help them get excited so they'll jump in. And, of course, we know what happened there. Instead, they just said, we're not even going to look at it, and it won't That's be there. And they walked right past it. Uh-huh. You but got it exactly. You summarized it beautifully. <laughs> However, it does go back even into uh, the Victorian era, the late 19th centuries, where a lot of the really great stuff was going on, too. But you're yes. right. The late 19th, early 20th century, that, those, that was the heyday of, uh, of this kind of research. And there are literally a hundred or more superb editions uh, of spirits speaking to us uh, through mediums. And I keep discovering more and more, even at my advanced age. Yeah, well, there is no it. way to exhaust that literature. Yes, uh, it's at some some so now in pigtails or a crew cut or some whatever they wear now little kids wear um, will spend his or her career maybe several of them will uh, compiling all of it. it that's yeah. that's work yet to be done and it's work it, it would be well done. But what struck me in doing it because what I was trying to do was learn the truth by by seeing where there were some correspondences. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I assumed most of it was going to be crapola, and I, at the beginning I did, because, of course, they were not honest, and I admit people were making things up. And when you read it and you look for the truth, you find there are no outliers. There's no cheating. There's no... I found no two communications I thought were copied at all. Yeah. Um, and they're, te- they're all talking about the same thing in the same yeah. place. They're, it's incredible to me still as I think about that fact. Um, mm-hmm. The details of the afterlife are the... I mean, they, everyone has a different perspective slightly, but there isn't one that says talks about a totally different sort of set of reality. There isn't one I've found. Um, that fr- from the others, they're all the same. Yeah, I agree. When I talk about fraud, I'm talking about a very few uh, people, and they are people who are alive today or Modern, were recently right. alive. And I don't want to name them, but I do think there have been a few frauds out there who have simply studied the literature that yes. we know so well and love so well and have pretended that they had a spirit speaking through them describing the same reality. So their fraudulent work really isn't that misleading. <laughs> um, no. 
And so, you know, I wouldn't say that anyone should be disturbed by what they read uh, in modern sources. It doesn't really mislead nearly as much as what we find in most of the uh, contemporary um, conventional religious sources. Um, yes. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful stuff. And, and all I can say is that the more people start reading it, the better it's going to be. And uh, at one point, at some point, it seems to me that, and I think that, that point has been reached, actually, that the world at large is really beginning to look at this stuff more seriously, that huge numbers, millions of people are looking at this, and that at some point, the scientific world or even the philosophical world is going to have to start listening to what all these millions of people are so excited about. Yes. It hasn't happened yet, but I think it's beginning to. It will probably happen all of a sudden. Um, it might, right? We're, we're, like, we're about to we're about to take a break, and when we come back, I'll talk a little bit about my experience with the fun of dying, which I wrote uh, three years. It was published in 2010, and even in this little time, how astonishing it is that the amount of sort of uh, growth I've seen in from audience to audience. Yeah. It isn't the same people; it's different people. Yeah. But when I would would go into a, a hall to talk three years ago, and I'm sure you've had this experience as well. Um, people, there were a lot of blank stares and a lot of obviously very basic questions. This was all new, new, new to them. If I go to speak now, three years later, four years later, less than four years later, um, everybody in the room has an understanding that's at least preliminary of what's going on. It is the most amazing. Don't you find that? Absolutely, I do. I, I thought that my book was was uh, was sort of a new kid on the block in 2011, and here it is, you know, two and a half years later, yeah. and uh, it's it's <laughs> it's been there have been probably 50 books that cover the same ground. It just yes. all of a sudden, there's an explosion of yes. books on this subject. Yes, um, but the, the it's sort of happening person by person. Each individual mm-hmm. is separately making a decision to investigate the things they're hearing about, reading about, exactly. thinking about. And Absolutely. Um, that they, as, as they do that, and they find, you know, they come and hear you talk or, or me talk, or, or there are hundreds of people who can talk about this, um, that they, uh, it, it's just astonishing to me that uh, it's happening so fast. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll talk about this a great deal more after the break. You're listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Our guest is the wonderful, delightful Dr. Stafford Betty, and we'll be right back. about some of the things that are discussed on Seek Reality Radio, come and join the welcoming community at afterlifeforums.com. Roberta and Andrew manage afterlife forums in an atmosphere of love and acceptance. If you are very ill, if you have lost a loved one, or if you just wonder about these topics, come and join the fun at afterlifeforums.com. If you're interested in communicating with the people we used to think were dead, then don't miss the 39th Annual Conference of the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies in Scottsdale, Arizona, next July. The theme of the conference is New Developments in Afterlife Communication. 
presenters from as far away as Brazil will be talking about not just mediumship, but also automatic writing and pendulum communication and the astonishing new field of self-induced direct communication with dead loved ones. Two different presenters are working on telephones that will let us communicate with the dead directly. Go to ASCSI.org now for more information. That's ASCSI.org. Join them next July and be amazed. What if there were a place that was the opposite of civilized? And what if it turned out that was the place where human life finally worked? When Roberta Grimes studied the afterlife evidence, she learned more than that our lives are eternal. She also discovered what we really are. And to help us make the most of our lives, she's begun the Letters from Love series of novels. Begin with My Thomas, her well-reviewed account of Thomas Jefferson's marriage. Move on to Letter from Freedom, then Letter from Money. They read like fantasy romance, but they are the glorious truth. Available on Amazon.com and in bookstores everywhere. Or stop by robertagrimes.com to learn more. When she was eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is Cliff Notes to 200 Years of Abundant and Consistent Afterlife Evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon in Kindle and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling, and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. We're talking with the estimable Dr. Stafford Betty, who's a professor of Eastern religions, who has spent his life researching the greater reality that we talk about each week on this show. Um, his his books are wonderful. The, the Afterlife Unveiled um, is what we're going to be talking about in this segment. It's a two-year-old book, very sort of thin, easy to read, very, very, very accessible, but it pulls together seven different communicators from the afterlife who are telling us what the afterlife is like. It begins with um, Imperator, who spoke through Dr. Stainton Moses. Um, actually, he has a first name, too. What's his first name? Um, let's see. Uh William, oh William, and William Stanton Moses. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and he he it says here lived from 1839 to 1892. Um, he may be the sort of father of this kind of research. He did it very in a very scholarly, very deliberate way. He was a natural gifted medium and brought through some very advanced beings who told him things that would make your head explode when you read them. Um, and and uh, 
he has been, as, as we've been, uh, um, Dr. Betty and I have been talking about this, because he represents such a threat to the status quo, um, if you try to look to Google him, to look him up uh, on Wiki, Wikipedia, you'll read lies about him. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I'd like to do is just ask you, Stafford, to, to tell us about this man and his work and, and what the truth is. Yeah, he, uh, he was a person of uh, impeccable reputation among people who knew him. He, was a, uh, he was, went to seminary. Uh, he was an Anglican uh, minister. Uh, he lived in England. And he uh, was a person who, who towed the line. He was, a, he was an avid Christian. Uh, he was a preacher and uh, was highly regarded by uh, his congregation and by uh, his peers. Uh, as a man of just impeccable um, character uh, and integrity. It was just inconceivable that he would in, be involved in some sort of trickery. Um, and, and, and so that's where we first of all have to start. Um, the, the spirits who wanted to use Moses as the medium for their message, you mentioned Imperator. He's, uh, Imperator is an individual who had been dead for about 150 years. So a lot of the people who come over through uh, through mediums have been deceased maybe for just for a couple of months, maybe for a few years. But Imperator is a person who had been, you know, he's a former earthling like us, but he'd been over there for a long time, and he had made some progress uh, spiritually and gone up in the into higher spheres. So he's really an interesting character to listen to. Stainton Moses, in other words, brought through one of the most advanced uh, spirits, in the literature, and that's what makes uh, Stanton Moses's book *Spirit Teaching* so interesting to me. Uh, the spirits who wanted to use Moses, Imperator being the dominant one, as the medium for their their message, first needed to convince him that they were real. In other words, Moses was not convinced that what was coming through him wasn't just a kind of projection of his own unconscious uh, gifts and mind. So. Uh, you know, he was worried that these were just expressions of his own, of his unconscious mind. These fears, however, were abated when he sometimes found them saying things he didn't believe. And he would actually debate with the spirit, with Imperator in particular, certain things that uh, were inconsistent with his Christian teaching. And so they duped it out. And there's a record of that. Uh, and all of this came through uh, Moses' uh, hand uh, as he was writing automatically. Um, and so you can see his tremendous concern with authenticity and with, correct, with correctness. Um, and so he's the last kind of person you want to attack as involved in some sort of low-handed trickery. It's also worth noting that, that uh, after Stanton Moses died, I think in 1893, a spirit claiming to be Stanton Moses admitted that on several occasions he failed to convey what his spirits tried to get across him when he was a medium. So apparently the Reverend Moses was as careful about the truth after death as he was in life. Oh, wow. Isn't that impressive? Yeah, it is. Um, So if you go to Wikipedia and you read, as I did, um, Uh because I was going to do a blog post about him, and read what what it says there, basically it says, oh, this was a a charlatan in the 19th century who never got one thing right, and, uh, you know, we can show, look at this bad thing he did or what other bad thing. But it's all fluff. There's no, uh, nothing substantiates it. It's just an attempt 
uh, to to blow the truth away. Right. Um, That's right. No investigation. And apparently, people who who know the truth have tried to revise that entry. Right. So I think Mike Tim is one of them. And yes. uh, the the people who run Wikipedia will have none of it. They won't permit that to come true to come through. So it just goes to show me that uh, the people running Wikipedia uh, are, you might say, unconsciously anyway, in cahoots with what is known as scientific materialism. And they're not going to put up a defense of Saint and Moses on their, uh, on their site, which is, which is really almost criminal, because that's, that's not what Wikipedia is supposed to be about. Yes, it's too bad it's not trustworthy. What we've just learned um, in, in from the civil experience is you really can't believe what you read on Wikipedia because it's got a point of view. And anything yes, with a point of view that will not allow any other point of view to – will not allow debate or will not allow balance, mm-hmm. that's not trustworthy. So no, I probably won't use it anymore. Right. Um, so, so tell us about some of these other communicators in your book. And again, well, the, the the book is called The Afterlife Unveiled, and it it talks about what the afterlife is like by looking at what the dead have actually themselves told us to be true about where they are now. Yeah, well, um, the I start out with uh, Stanton Moses, who is you might say the dean of uh, of such uh, communications. Then the next yes. guy is uh, is just a Texan who died uh, at the age of 20, a uh, little more than a kid. And, and what he has to say really impressed um, some of the leading uh, spiritualist lights in the early 20th century in England. Um, and what he has to say is very consistent with what we find in Stanton Moses, except insofar as it's obvious that this spirit, the spirit of this Texan, is a young soul, is a, a young man who has different interests, who, who enjoys fun, who likes adventure, and uh, you can tell that the world he lives in is the same as the world that Stanton Moses' um, imperator lives in, but his interests are so vastly different. So it's interesting comparing and contrasting these two points of view, a common world but very different personalities, very different, uh, um, you might say, experiences, uh, yes. earth experiences. Yes. Um, it's, so it's, there's that it's, contrast. I'm sorry? There's that contrast. And there, you know, there, we have five more. One's a Catholic priest. Uh, uh, another is um, a judge who lived in you know, Los Angeles uh, in the early 20th century. Uh, another one is um, one of the great lights of psychical research. Uh, and uh, a sixth one is um, a woman who was uh, an Anglican nun who lived in South Africa for a while. And uh, the last one is a Protestant theologian. And so they they all are obviously coming from the same world, but their backgrounds are interestingly different. And uh, yes. so in a sense, it reads like a novel because it's, yes. or like a couple of like seven short stories, as it were. Yes, and, and they're arranged in in time order. So, um, yep, they in, are. so the most recent uh, uh, death is the last one in the book. The, That's the, right. What the Protestant theologian discovered upon dying. Yeah, um, he, dis- he, people, he, he was he but, discovered some surprises. Yes, most people who have had strictly held <laughs> religious beliefs find when they die, 
that they ha- their beliefs have been in error. Um, if they're willing to be open-minded, it's fairly easy for them to get past that. If not, yeah, right. um, there's evidence they can basically construct an alternative reality around them, uh, which isn't <laughs> really the afterlife, but which is comforting to their... The, 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 it's such a loving and gentle system. It's amazing. Um, yeah. They, yeah they, they, right. they, they get to transition gradually into the truth. Uh, they're not they aren't beaten over the head with it. That's right. That's right. Exactly so. Yeah, he, he's particularly interesting. He started coming through just about a month after he died, and uh, he came through as, um, as the Lutheran theologian that he, uh, that he had been in life. Um, and, you know, he, he felt that he saw Jesus, and, and, uh, but two years later, when the communications finally stopped, he had really changed his religion. His religion had changed from from, you know, from being Christian to being something that was much more capacious uh, and, and inclusive than his Christianity had been. And he spoke lovingly and reverently of the Buddhists who were in the same sphere there he, that he found himself in, of the Hindus. He saw they're all walking their own way. They, are, they tend to stay together in their own groups, but they're completely open lovingly open to others uh, who uh, come from different uh, different religious backgrounds. And he himself seems to have outgrown the narrow Christianity that he was, uh, that he grew up with, and had become, you might say, a pluralist or a universalist. And, and I think that that's the religion uh, that one tends to grow into once one has been over there for a while. Yes. Yes, to, to the extent that there's a religion at all that that someone embraces, that would be yeah. it. Yeah, um, to the extent. And the, and, uh, the, the, the big exactly. shock for for traditional Christians is finding a Jesus is a revered being uh, in the afterlife levels and and seems to be everywhere, but b uh, he didn't die for our sins and we don't nobody. God is a lot more loving than where we were taught in Sunday school, and God doesn't judge us at all. Listen so, to what. Yeah, listen to what Stanton Moses said about this. These are his own words. First of all, he was relentless in his criticism of Victorian Christianity. He tells us that man, and these are his own words, has, perpetu- has perpetuated ignorant ideas about a jealous God and a fiery hell and a heaven in the skies where the elect are gathered and a physical resurrection and a universal judgment and such notions which belong to the age of childhood and are outgrown by the developed man. The man should put aside the notions of the child and soar to higher knowledge. That's a beautiful summary. Of, uh, it certainly is. That's yeah. exactly what happens when people uh, <laughs> it sure does. transition and discover that there is, I've found in, in all my research, not one instance of any judgment happening other than by the entity, him or herself. Exactly. And, without, without exception, that's the way it is. I quite agree. And, and if you wanted, if you wanted to sit, sit before a tough judge, look in the mirror, uh, because right. you, you, there, all of the things that we, we, we know why we did this or that, you know, we, we can justify things here, but there we can't justify anything. We know what we meant to do with our life, uh-huh. and we know the ways in which we didn't do it. And people can be very hard on themselves in the Exactly. Judgment. And they are, and they should be, because we tend to be sloppy. I'm sorry, what? And they should be. Finally, you look at yourself in the mirror, and there's no escaping who you really are. You come into the next world with your character totally intact. 
And yes. there's no dodging it anymore. You can't forget what you've done anymore. Yes. And uh, that's a wonderful thing. And also, it's a very sobering thing to know. It's very, uh, it sure made me clean up my act, I must tell you. I decided, absolutely. If I was going to change myself, I was going to try to make a little better record than I had in, you know. <laughs> I agree. You know, it's interesting that, that people who, who look at the world through the eyes of the spirits, um, are they really have their consciences, you might say, tuned. Um, they, they tend not to be as sloppy with uh, the things that they say, the things they yes. say about people, the cruelty that they sometimes engage in. It, it just has a lot. It, it really helps one clean oneself up morally. I've had that nice. same experience. Yeah, and it that's does. a wonderful thing. I, I, I feel as if um, I, my, the top of my head is always open. There's no such thing as a private thought. Um, I mm. feel as if everything that I'm doing, um, I know I'm going to get to see not just myself doing it in the judgment, but I'm also going to get to see the effect I had on everybody around me. So that makes you much kinder in the things you say to people, at least uh-huh. does me, and, me and, too. and think about people. Um, yep. Because I know... Uh, if I don't, if if I if I don't try to give everybody around me a happy moment, just being in my presence, I'm going to get to feel the unhappiness they had, and I don't want to be there. I, I don't want any of that. I I want I want to feel good about my life. So it does. If if nothing else, Stafford, learning this does does really help people to clean up their lives as nothing else ever could. I, I me think too. that's. Yeah by itself a, a virtue of doing this research. Mm-hmm. Um, none of us are perfect. That's why we're here. We're, yeah. he, we're here to learn. But, yeah. uh, but we certainly, uh, I, I certainly feel a lot, a lot better about my last, say, 10 years than I felt yeah. about the previous. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, you, you begin to see what, what uh, the point of life on this planet is, and you know and how to live it well. Scale. Because you're living at an eternal scale. Yeah. You don't think of your death as any kind of ending, because it's not. It's just right. going back to a broader, bigger life. Yeah, isn't that exciting? That is great stuff. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's why um, I, I hope a lot of people will are at least thinking about coming to the conference. Um, the, there's the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies in, um, is, is having its 38th annual conference in Scottsdale, Arizona, July 10th to 13th, 2014. And Dr. Betty and I are both on the board of that um, estimable organization. Um, the topic is going to be new developments in afterlife communication. New developments in a- there. You'd be amazed what people are doing now um, with 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 communicating with the dead. Um, we, we're very close to a moment when it's going to be national news that someone is actively talking in a dependable way through a soul phone. Um, people are are having uh, these very detailed. Uh, meetings with with the dead, and um, it's very exciting. And I'm going to tell you when we come back. I'm going to t- I'm going to talk about um, someone who is uh, is going to be there, who will, whose son is sort of a combination of Imperator and the young Texan. Okay. This is secret. This is secret reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. You are an eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And knowing that changes everything in your life and in the world. Our guest today is the wonderful Dr. Stafford Betty, and we'll be right back. 
about some of the things that are discussed on Seek Reality Radio, come and join the welcoming community at afterlifeforums.com. Roberta and Andrew manage Afterlife Forums in an atmosphere of love and acceptance. If you are very ill, if you have lost a loved one, or if you just wonder about these topics, come and join the fun at afterlifeforums.com. If you're interested in communicating with the people we used to think were dead, then don't miss the 39th Annual Conference of the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies in Scottsdale, Arizona, next July. The theme of the conference is New Developments in Afterlife Communication. Presenters from as far away as Brazil will be talking about not just mediumship, but also automatic writing and pendulum communication and the astonishing new field of self-induced direct communication with dead loved ones. Two different presenters are working on telephones that will let us communicate with the dead directly. Go to ASCSI.org now for more information. That's ASCSI.org. Join them next July and be amazed. When she was eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is Cliff Notes to 200 Years of Abundant and Consistent Afterlife Evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon, in Kindle, and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. We're talking with Dr. Stafford Betty, whose whose mind I think I have just blown. Um, at the uh, at the conference in July, uh, one of the presenters is going to be Carol Morgan, uh, who is someone I met about three years ago at an afterlife conference. She was a newly bereaved, I think within the past couple of years, um, mother whose older son had died at the age of 20 in a, in a rollover. Nobody else, everybody else walks away, he's instantly dead. Um, she began to hear from him um, in, a, in a lot of ways. She was taught to use a pendulum, which I didn't believe. I didn't even believe pendulum communication was possible until I saw it happen. Um, and she is communicating with Mikey. And Mikey has told her that um, he... This was his last planned exit point. He had to die at 20. Um, he is a very advanced being. He says he's a level six being, and with the level of knowledge he has, I'm not surprised to hear that. He calls it the teaching level. Uh, he calls himself Mikey from the teaching level, which to me is, he keeps the name. Because, you know, who cares what the name is? And, um, and he answers questions on afterlife forums. Uh, the thread is uh, for Carol and Mikey, please. And there's 200 some odd pages of people asking him questions about 
the afterlife and about the way reality works. And in the, in the two plus years that I have known Mikey through Carol, he has never made a mistake. He's never, I've never said, mm, I'm not sure about that. He speaks with the confidence and the authority of, of an imperator, but he is, he died at 20. Just, he was not even, he wouldn't even be 30 if he'd lived. That's how recently he died. So he, he speaks our language. Um, and eventually Carol and I are talking about writing a book, uh, to, to, you know, put together what Mikey says because it, it should, it deserves a wider audience. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so I, I, I mentioned this to Dr. Betty. This, I, most people don't know about Carol and Mikey and, and he came, he says specifically, he and his mother arranged, she says this wasn't anything she would have wanted, but they arranged this, this would happen so that they could communicate through, uh, he, he could communicate through her and give this information in, in modern terms. Um, that the same sort of information that uh, Doctor Moses gave through uh, uh, got from Imperator. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> do you want to tell us about uh, a little bit about that? Um, first of all, let me just say a word about about the kind of landscapes that um, one encounters in the uh, in the next world. I'm going to go ahead and just read a passage from my my book, a single paragraph. And it goes like this. Um, our present ideas about heaven and hell are illusory. Hell is hellish, yes, but it's not a place of physical pain, nor is it everlasting, nor is it a place where there is not help. And heaven is not one place, but a spectrum of worlds stretching from the lowly joys of souls newly arrived to spheres of unimaginable bliss and perfection for souls far more advanced. The underworld is not some fantastic vision of infinity where souls are locked in poses of permanent rapture, gazing at the face of God, and no one floats on a cloud while playing a harp. Rather, it is a place with landscapes and seas and houses and cities reminiscent of our own world. It's an objectively real material world, but made of matter vibrating much more rapidly than our senses can pick up. There are gardens, universities, libraries, hospices for the newly dead, but no factories, fire stations, sanitary landfills, or smokestacks. There are no dirty jobs to do. Uh, And so... That's the kind of background that I think the audience needs to hear before Roberta goes on with her story about Mikey. <laughs> Take it away. Yes. Um, but Mikey, what, Mikey was a very, uh, on the earth, a very active 20-year-old. Um, he lived in Michigan and, and wintered and summered in Colorado, and he loved to snowboard. And he tells his mother he snowboards there. Um, when people ask him questions about what it's like there, he gives exactly the same kinds of answers that you just gave, Stafford. He yep. says it's solid, it's um, it's 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 real. Um, you, you know, you could move anywhere by thought, so you can basically go anywhere. And he does a lot of traveling and a lot of fun, but he snowboards. There are places with snow, uh-huh. and he just has to think. I want to time to put on my my snowboard, and he goes and he does it, and it feels like snowboarding here. Uh-huh. Um, Exactly. So that's that's the way life continues. Our lives here, and and I talk, I pre-recorded a show with Craig Hogan in which we talk about how the mind creates this reality. Um, I, I think it's probably more obvious to the dead that their minds are creating the reality in which they're living. Um, it's very, very earth-like in appearance, only much more beautiful. Uh, colors that don't, that, that don't exist here because they're beyond the visible light spectrum. And, and the music, uh, our, 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 our astral eyes are, are so good. There's a, there's a 
uh, a piece in in a, in a um, one of the early 20th century communicators uh, recorded. Uh, uh, there was a piece recorded where someone was talking to his family in the room, and he had recently died, and he had been almost blind. And he said, "I'll tell you how good my eyes are now. Looks like about 50 miles from here. That's the way it looks. There's a mountain range, and it has foothills. I can see not just the mountain range and the foothills." I can see every leaf on every tree on every one of those foothills. That's how good our eyes are there. Yeah. And they, they say the music is extraordinary. It's our, our ears, our physical ears just are, don't nearly replicate what it is that you're able to hear in the afterlife. And in fact, it becomes colors. If you, if you go to, but early part of the 20th century, big thing was going to concerts and, you know, hearing Mozart. Nowadays, who knows, Beatles is what they're hearing probably. They've got, got two down, two to go. Um, but they, the music is so beautiful that when it really gets going, it creates forms and colors above the orchestra. They yeah, absolutely. These open, these, these open air, uh, because, of course, it, there's no weather unless you want weather you can have weather if you want you can have snow obviously yeah um they're, they're in these open air amphitheaters and they say no matter where you sit or you think you're sitting you feel like you're front and center and you have the not just a perfect view but perfect hearing of this gorgeous music mm-hmm. and yeah but isn't that yeah, the, the music is your extreme research shows true to it right i mean you 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 could say the same thing i'm saying it's just oh yes absolutely you know i've written about this and the music you might say the uh the rituals of um, – they're almost like uh, spiritual rituals um, because the music is incredibly uplifting. It's transformative in itself. It's not like going to a boring concert and sitting through it. Everybody's ecstatic by what it yeah. does. Um, you know, you, you talk about uh, the kinds of fun that young people have over here, over there. Mikey was 20 when he died, and, and so indeed was, uh, was, my, was my Texan. Um, yes. whose name was Leslie Stringfellow. And I'm just going to give you an example of the kind of fun that he has over there. He says that nothing gives us more fun than when a party of young folk get together and relate their Earth experiences. He talks about a Christmas party in 1899, our time, that he was involved in. He says they plan to select a fir tree and materialize all kinds of jewels and gifts and toys to decorate it with for the orphaned children over there. And there are many children over there who, you know, would have been seven or eight years old when uh, they died. And uh, their parents are still back on earth and they're sort of orphaned in reverse. And so yes. these, these kids need to be, needs to be uh, loved yes. and, uh, and educated and tutored. And, and so uh, Stringfellow is in the business of that. He says, I am to hide in the tree. And when all are assembled, we'll play on my violin a Christmas piece, which I composed. And on Christmas Day, he describes the festivities to his parents. The children all stood around and sang beautiful Christmas hymns. And when all the presents were off the tree, we, we, we dematerialized it, and it melted away into a green vapor and disappeared. And so that's wow. some of the fun that he has. And there's a lot of fun in that second, uh, in the second chapter of my book. Very unlike the, uh, the more staid and well-developed, spiritually well-developed uh, uh, imperator in the previous chapter. Right. Right, it it, but that that is exactly so true. Exactly what the dead tell us. There is, mm-hmm. um, it's because there's no such thing as size. It's infinite in size. There are mm-hmm. so many places to go. You travel instantly by mind, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the, the the kinds, 
caring for the young. That's a whole. We, you and I need to do this again because there's a whole new set of things to talk about in, in, in tra- talking about how they gently, you know, rear the children um, who who die there, and the the uh, including the aborted infants apparently all grow up there uh, and, and become beautiful young adults who will greet their mother with the word mother. Um, mm-hmm. If there were anything to make you not want to have an abortion, that has to be it. Yeah. But um, but that, that's the, the, the kinds of things that it's possible to know about the afterlife uh, are so many and in such detail that yeah. it's a pity more people don't know them. Yeah. I think your book is a great way to begin. It's The Afterlife yeah. Unveiled by Stafford Betty. It's available on Amazon. And um, I want to also mention Michael Tim T Y M N, yeah. who um, is is a, a probably he's a, if I were to name to the two leading experts in this field who are still with us, it would be Doctor Betty and Michael Tim T Y M N. He has some wonderful books on Amazon that you really should check out of the same variety. They're they're accessible. They're very learned, but they're and, and and real. They're not somebody's fluffy speculation, but they're right. easy to understand and to read. Yeah. Um, and and um, any any last sort of last thought, <laughs> but we will do this again. I you and I have much fun. Yeah, that's fine. You know, it's interesting. But Mike and I uh, were were uh, originally going to co-author the book uh, that that I wrote, and uh, we had different. Uh, I guess we had different agendas, and so he ended up writing a book called The Afterlife Revealed, and I wrote mine, The Afterlife Unveiled, and they appeared in June 2011 at the same time, yeah, and, and both of them great. have done well. Um, yes. My own book is is on the cusp of selling 10,000 copies, which is about 9,000 more than I ever dreamed of, wow. but it just goes to show the interest in the subject uh, from yes. people all over the world. But it's it's evergreen too. I mean, they'll, that'll be selling ten years from now. That will never ever go out of fashion. Um, I hope, I'm so I hope glad that's you true. wrote it. I to to make um, this information as accessible as possible really is what we're all about. Um, I'm so sorry we're coming to the end of our time. I'm just sort of getting wound up and having fun with this. Uh, <laughs> but but we'll do it again. And okay. And, um, Meanwhile, I, I, I'm just going to say I'm Roberta Grimes. My guest is the wonderful Dr. Stafford Betty. His book is The Afterlife Unveiled. Uh, Michael Tim's book is The Afterlife Revealed. Uh-huh. And they're, di- they're I've read them both. They're different, but they say, of course, the same things from different uh-huh. perspective. And I recommend someone read them together. I think they're 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 both great. Um, I'm my, my, as I say, I'm Roberta Grimes. My book is The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. I got all frolicsome and they get all serious. Yeah, let's let's um, remind. So, you know, you need to mention your own book too because <laughs> it covers much the same ground. It does. It's meant to be read by people who need this information urgently. And I summarize um, the same kinds of information you can get from um, Dr. Tim and Dr. Betty. Um, it's available on Amazon. Um, and I've also gone back to the, the thing I most enjoy doing, which is writing fiction. Um, I have three books recently out. My Thomas is a reissue of my 1993 novel about Thomas Jefferson's beautiful marriage. Letter from Freedom and Letter from Money are the first two of a seven novel series series, which talks about what I've learned about human nature, um, but they're, they're couched as love stories in, in a family saga. Um, please join us next week when our guest will be Bruce Moen, who's one of Bob Monroe's original out-of-body explorers, and he has a lot to tell us about that experience and also what he's continuing to learn about reality, death, and the afterlife. He's one of the presenters at that New Developments in Afterlife Communication Conference in Scottsdale. Please join us next week. Meanwhile... 
please visit us at afterlifeforums.com and join the discussion there. And look up for Carol and Mikey, please. There's a 200-some-odd page book there that is gives you all the same information that you would get from uh, Michael Timms and, and Stafford Betty's books. Now go out and enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are an eternal being. You never will die, and you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about your eternal life. To learn more, tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. For lively and positive discussions, visit www.afterlifeforums.com. To contact Roberta, email her at roberta at seekreality.com. Wishing you a productive week empowered by the truth of who you really are. Thank you.